to the Sports Beat Podcast for episode 60, everyone. Thanks again for joining us. Um, a lot of different things to cover today. Now, um, I, I feel like this is kind of one of those weeks where uh, a lot is going on in the NFL, uh, but at the very least, it's going to be uh, very fun today. I'm really excited today. Tristan could not join us today. Um, he, unfortunately, will not be here. He's not feeling very well. Um, migraines, I personally, I wouldn't know how that feels, thank God, but uh, I know they're not any fun. So, um, actually, winter, uh, the Winter Warriors are playing the state title against Bridgewater Emory Ethan right now so that's pretty cool I'm kind of tuning into that game as we go along here so if you guys see me freaking out uh it's because things are going well and if you don't see me freaking out well it's because I'm used to losing <laughs> totally kidding anyway so let's get jump into this there's a lot of different things to cover uh, before we get to that make sure those of you that watch us on YouTube to subscribe down below leave a like and a comment as well uh you know and, and just it helps people find the show so we deeply appreciate those of you that choose to do that uh please leave a comment to let us know uh you know if we got any of these takes wrong or what what you think of it so um let's get started so the first thing we're going to cover here is three teams that must win in the nfl in week 10 personally i think there's quite a few teams that need this more than three but i had to cut it down so um i felt that this was uh something that was a little bit tougher um, i think it comes down to three teams the vikings excuse me, the Minnesota Vikings, the New England Patriots, and the Cleveland Browns. Uh, those are my three teams. I'm going to start with the Vikings here. Um, it comes down, to, it starts with the Vikings. Uh, the 3-5 and five Vikings who face off against the 5-4 and four Chicago Bears. A um, couple of key footnotes here. Number one, this, the Vikings split the series with Green Bay this year. They lost at home, and then they came back and won a, a statement game, in my opinion, in Lambeau. That's a big statement, if you ask me. They won that game in Lambeau. To me, against Aaron Rodgers, that type of situation, to come out with a win, that's big. That's very big. So uh, they were able to kind of save their chances of making the playoffs with that win, and they got another big win against Detroit last week. They're now 2-1 in the division. That means that uh, the, the rest of this way here, there's, there's the, the margin for error is so small. I hate to sound like, uh, can't even think of the, 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 uh, the, the speech right now, um, from any given Senate from Al Pacino. But point is, the margin for error is so small here for the Minnesota Vikings uh, going through here that it's it's not even fun. They, they don't even have room to sneeze here. They are 2-1 in the division. They have to find a way to win, I would say, at least six straight games before they're in that conversation uh, to actually be in the playoffs. And it's just they, they have no room for mistakes here. That They cannot make any mistakes moving forward in the season. They're 2-1 in the division. Now the Bears, my third and final point here are the, is that the Bears are on a three-game skid. They're 2-3 and three in the last five games. Going into uh, the Windy City, the, the Vikings are 3-10. and 10. They, they just don't win at Soldier Field. They don't, they don't play well, whatever it is coming out of the bye. They just don't play well at Soldier Field. It's something the Vikings have had a problem doing with have a problem with doing a long time i've had a problem um with soldier field they just can't take care of business when they get into chicago uh, they don't necessarily have a problem when they get back to to minnesota but uh, they just cannot win at soldier field so they have to find a way to break that curse especially this season last year they, they lost miserably in chicago um, that was probably one of the worst games i've ever seen by kirk cousins and the vikings offensive line uh, maybe offensive unit as a whole i'm not sure but it was close if it wasn't the worst it was it was close the vikings have to take care of business on the road like they did in Lambeau and they have to take care of business especially against the Bears again who are on a three game on a three game skid they could very well be the biggest five win team fraud in the entire NFL and I'm not even afraid to say that again I'll say it again for emphasis they might be the biggest five one excuse me five win fraud team in the entire NFL that's how 
uh, confident that I, 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 I don't think the Bears deserve five wins. They, they just don't look like a team that is that good. I, I think they're going to f- be lucky to finish 8-8, eight and eight, uh, and that's if the Vikings beat them, uh, either that or 9-7 and seven if the Vikings lose. But my point is here, the Bears on a three-game skid, again, lost two of their last uh, – they're two and three in the last five. And they've got to take the, – the Vikings have to take care of business here. This is a big win. The de- their defense is, is legit. Top five defense in the entire NFL. No debating that. It's whatever. But it also comes down to the fact that their offense there, – there's two, there's two sides to this. Their defense is really good. Their offense – not so much. They got Nick Foles, who I think has had the Vikings number ever since he was born because, I mean, 38-7 win in the NFC Championship game a couple years ago when he was with the Eagles. That hurt. But ever since then, I mean, he just seemed to always have the Vikings number. There is a time when a season comes down to a single game for any team in the NFL. This is that game for the Minnesota Vikings. They have to find a way to take care of business, especially against Nick Foles uh, and that lackluster offense and that really good defense. They have to get take care of us. They have to take care of it. Josh Miller, yes, I agree with you. Their defense is, is not very good. Um, I'm going to go ahead and like that, my friend. Um, but the, the second team here that I feel has to win is the New England Patriots. The 3-5 and five New England Patriots going against the Ravens, who are 6-2. and two. There's a reason I think they have to win this. Josh, if I miss a couple of your comments, I'm sorry. There's a reason that the, the Vikings have, excuse me, the, wow, the Patriots have to win this. Number one. Cam Newton has a thrown, hasn't thrown a touchdown pass since week three. Now, I know he's been gone for COVID protocol for, I believe, one or two games, but he has not thrown, I'm gonna, again, for emphasis, he has not thrown a touchdown pass since week three. He's ran a couple in, but he has not thrown for one in a while. They are uh, a team that needs to take care of business. If they, if, they're, if they aren't taking for Trevor, like Josh is saying, if they aren't taking for Trevor here, they need to be able to take care of business, especially against the Ravens this week. Again, the Ravens are one of the top teams in the AFC. We, we know that. But if the Patriots are going to be a legitimate team this season, they have to find a way to get a big win here. Bill Belichick is going to have to find a way to coach his best game in a long time. Um, and my second point here is they are two games behind the Dolphins, who are 5-3, and three, and they're going to play the Chargers. If the Patriots do not get a win here and the Dolphins do against the Chargers, which I think they will, the Chargers, I feel bad for them, but hey, they, they're they an up-and-coming team. They could be a very dangerous team next season. If the Patriots do not get a win and the Dolphins do, the Patriots season is over. It is that simple. I don't see them coming back from three games uh, and behind, and they are uh, in, a, in a tough division. The Bills are legit, obviously, uh, but if they do not come back, if they do not win this game, uh, even if the if they win and the Dolphins win, there's still a slim chance they got to keep the winning going. But maybe they are tanking for Trevor. Um, I'm not sure. Ravens, my man, Josh. I'm not going to count Lamar Miller. I know that in the playoffs he seems to not get it done, but I'm not going to count him out until they get to the playoffs because they they seem to he always seems to get it done. Uh, and I, I just I know uh, he's gonna he's gonna get the ball to Hollywood Brown. He better for my fantasy team's sake because if he doesn't, it's over. But point is, they need to be able to get it done. Uh, go in there, take care of business, uh, and uh, Lamar Jackson. He's he's legit. So it's going to be a, a long day for that Patriots defense all the way through. Um, but I'm excited to see that game. That actually be a pretty good game to watch if Cam Newton uh, can ball and, and the Patriots bring a little something. Now, the third team that I think has to win here is the Cleveland Browns, the 5-0-3 Cleveland Browns against the Texans. They are one game. Now, I've got three points here. They are, and then four smaller points. Sorry. They are one game behind the Ravens and three, repeat, three behind the Steelers who are, I mean, are they the team to beat or one of the teams to beat in the AFC? I mean, I know they've been beaten a lot of no-win teams, but there's there's some amount of respect that's due for teams that can go ahead and just take care of business. I mean, if they would have lost to those teams, it, they would have been the laughing stock in the NFL. So 
they didn't, and they have been taking care of business. Um, I'm actually going to go ahead and bring the, the Steelers uh, schedule up here. They Honestly, I don't think that a lot of people are right in saying that they are frauds or ain't no one necessarily are being frauds because, I mean, you take a look at it. Okay, the Giants, yes. The Broncos are a good team now. I'm, I'm about sick of this. The Broncos are a good team, especially with Drew Locke playing the way he is. I, the, I'm getting so sick of people not giving the Broncos any respect because they've got so many good players on that squad. Uh, I mean, they're missing their best defensive player, probably one of the best defensive players in the in, in the nation, country, whatever, in the entire NFL. They're missing him. Uh, and then the one beat the Texans. The Eagles are no slouch in. They're leading the NFC East. Um, they beat the Browns, who are trying to get them for that spot. They beat the Titans, the Titans, who are a, a, a sure win team. They are a playoff team, even though... Last night was kind of a rough game against the Colts. They beat the Ravens. The Ravens. Now, again, I know people are saying that the Ravens are overrated. They got Lamar Jackson, the reigning NFL MVP. They're, they're not overrated. Now, do they have they been struggling offensively? Yes, but they're not overrated. Uh, then they beat the Cowboys barely. Yes, I understand that. But at the end of the day, it's in the NFL, at the end of the day, it's about your record and who you beat. They beat a lot of good teams. Uh, put them, put some respect on the Steelers' name. They deserve it. Um, now back to the Browns here, though. They are, uh, they are once again. They are one game behind the Ravens and three behind the Steelers. Uh, the Browns were blown out, by the way, by both teams, the Ravens and the Steelers, um, and it was embarrassing. We, we were questioning if this is actually a legitimate playoff team. I still think they are. I just think that they've got to get back to what they know, what they do right, and take care of business. Now, a couple of things to consider here. A lot of other teams are more, are way more likely to make the playoffs here at this point, especially in the East. You got the Bills and the Dolphins, who are uh, very looking very well. The D Bills are probably the, one of the best teams, other than the Chiefs uh, in the entire AFC. And then in the South, you got the Colts and the Titans. Titans. Uh, I think the Colts are obviously going to come out of their division. Uh, the Titans, uh, with la last night's loss, it, it gets a little harder, but I still think they're going to come out. Pittsburgh and Baltimore in the in the Browns division. This is that's going to be the biggest game. Those those are, excuse me, those are going to be the biggest two teams that, that threaten the Browns clearly. Um, so the Browns have a lot a long way to overcome. A lot of teams to overcome. They got to uh, overcome the likes of the Raiders, um, uh, some teams like the Texans, the Dolphins, because I feel like the the main three coming out of the East, the South. Um, and the north and the west, I think you've got you've got the Bills, the Colts. I think you obviously have Pittsburgh, and I think you have the Chiefs. Uh, other than that, I say probably Titans and Baltimore. After that, it, it kind of gets a little hairy. I don't know if the Browns are better than the, than the Dolphins. I don't know if they're better than the Raiders. The Raiders are legit this year, but if they need to, they need good teams beat bad teams down. Okay, in other words, the Cleveland Browns have to, have to. They have to go out and win this week against the Texans. They have to find a way to bring home this win uh, and, and set the record straight. Because if they don't, it is over. They, they are. This is just one of those games where you don't come back from. I think they've shown a lot of promise this season. They've done some great things. I'm so ecstatic with what Kevin Stefanski. I'm sorry, Ske Kevin Stefanski has done an amazing job with this football team. I don't care what anybody says. He's done a fantastic job. They've been running the football, the play action. Baker Mayfield has emerged as a play action threat even though his receivers have proved to be throwing the football more than he does, but at, at certain points anyways, um, especially ones that are way more important. But he has merged as a good quarterback. I still think he's a good quarterback, and I still think this this Cleveland Browns uh, team can get it done. They just they have to go and beat the Texans uh, this week. Justin Herbert versus Joe Burrow. This is an interesting concept. When you think two of the more highly drafted quarterbacks in the entire NFL, other than Tua, obviously, but... So far in the NFL, if I had to pick one, this is a, this is a tough thing to consider. We've got on one hand, we've got Justin Herbert, who I believe, and I've got a couple of points here. He's shown more of a gunslinger mentality and better overall throws. 
Uh, I'm not saying that he is the better quarterback. I'm saying so far he's shown that to me. And I think he has looked generally better than Joe Burrow. Now, again, I don't think this means that Justin Herbert is necessarily better than Joe Burrow, but the NFL is its a very much how-have-you-looked-lately league. It's, it's, it's so important, like fire for a team, um, continuity, everything like that, how you've looked recently, is it, that's how the NFL is these days. Currently, through eight games of the NFL season, Justin Herbert has his team one and six. That is, uh, that's not ideal. Excuse me. Uh, no, they're not. They're, that is, that is a lie. They are, his, he, his record as starting quarterback is one and six. I apologize. But the Chargers, obviously they had Tyrod Taylor. Uh, they are two and six. So I apologize for that. But point is, he has them at one and six. With starting seven games, he has thrown, uh, completed over 67% of his passes, thrown for over 17 touchdowns, five interceptions. He has ran the ball 33 times. Now, Burrow and, and Herbert here are kind of similar in the way they run the football. Both have ran the football around 30 times for about uh, Burrow. Excuse me. Uh, Herbert has about 30 more yards than Burrow, but I don't necessarily think that he's more explosive. I think that uh, both have three rushing. Uh, I lied again. Uh, Joe Burrow has three rushing touchdowns, and Herbert has two. So if we're talking uh, in terms of impact, I probably say that Herbert has probably a little bit of a leg up here. Um, but overall, there's no disputing that Herbert has looked better than Joe Burrow this time around. He really he really has looked better uh, than Joe Burrow. Now, again, uh, I would make the argument, too, that Joe Burrow has a, almost, I would say, uh, a better supporting cast. Not his offensive line. That's a whole different issue. I realize his offensive line is awful. I'm not talking about that. A.J. Green, Joe Mixon, Tyler Boyd, uh, T. Higgins, the list goes on. And if you're asking me, now the Chargers have some dudes. Now, Keenan Allen is Austin Eckler. I mean, we can keep going too. But I'm taking Joe Burrow's surrounding staff or his surrounding uh, teammates way easier than the Chargers. And it's nothing against the side of the Chargers. They have, they've got some weapons now. But it's clear to me that the Bengals have a way better supporting cast in terms of offensive weaponry than the Chargers. I mean, you look at it. Also, uh, you got to keep in mind they got uh, the Chargers have Joshua Kelly again, Austin Eckler, um, Justin Jackson's even shown, shown some uh, stuff this year. Keenan Allen, 650 yards on uh, on 62 catches and four touchdowns. Hunter Henry uh, doing his thing. Mike Williams. It's clear to me, especially that the the Bengals clearly have the way better offensive supporting cast, and it's not even a debate if you ask me. So Joe Burrow. Yes, he's running for his life in in a way, but he also has a way better supported cast. Joe Mixon, I take Joe Mixon ten times uh, out of ten over Austin Eckler. No disrespect, Austin Eckler is a great running back. I I would I think anybody would be ecstatic to have him, but I take Joe Mixon, I really do. Uh, I I've seen more of Joe Mixon. He's he's a way he's a better player. Um, I believe he's more of a natural catching back out of the backfield, and and he's clearly a better runner. Uh, and that. He's a better runner. That's all he He's a better running back. I take Joe Burrow's supporting cast over Justin Herbert's any day. Any day. If you put Justin Herbert on that team with his offensive line, because his offensive line is not bad. It's pretty good. If you put Justin Herbert's offensive line with that team and give him his own defense in San Diego, I, I believe San Diego's defense is better than the Bills, not by much at least, but I think that the the, the the Bengals with that de- with Joe uh, with Justin Herbert's defense and his offensive line that's a scary team that is a scary team that I think could threaten 
the likes uh, of, of other teams in their division. Now, again, I realize that you can't just take and pick and you know pick and choose, but I'm saying it is very clear that Joe Burrow's supporting cast is mountains and in, in miles better than Justin Herbert's. It's not even a debate. I mean, I again, I realize that uh, it's one of those things where you can't necessarily pick and choose again, but I, it's just that he's got so many weapons, Joe Burrow, so there's no excuse if you're Joe Burrow, except other than the fact that he's a rookie. So again, understand that he's got some, he's got some growing up to do. So um, I, I totally get it. Uh, and um, I'm really looking forward to seeing uh, what we see from him. I think this year was kind of a little rougher thing. I mean, obviously, I mean, the Bengals got, I mean, three teams ahead of them that could honestly go to the playoffs. So, I mean, sitting at two and five and one, I mean, you've got the, the Steelers, the Ravens, and the Browns. So, Obviously, they're in a good division, but I think this year was is, was a little bit of a rough coming out for Joe Burrow uh, to come out the gate. Uh, Justin Herbert got to sit behind Tyrod Taylor, but we there was no knowing how he was going to do. Joe Burrow threw eight games. It's two, five, and one. He's won one more game than, uh, than Justin Herbert, who again who has played seven games. He's one and six. Joe Burrow is completing sixty-seven percent of his passes, so slightly less, a point three percent less than Herbert. He has thrown eleven touchdowns the same amount of interceptions so less touchdowns the same amount of interceptions um has less rushing yards um and i think that it's it's indicative of again his offensive line gives him no time i'm not even going to debate that i know that's 100 percent true there's that's true but his supporting cast joe burrow's supporting cast is mountains better than joe than uh justin herbert's and it's not even close i just had to say that so right now if i'm choosing uh in terms of quarterback play i'm picking justin herbert um I, I know that it was a really long way of saying it, but, but he has shown to be a better quarterback. He's shown to take more chances, and they have proven to be better. He's got a rocket of an arm. He stands in the pocket. So right now, at this point in time, I would take Justin Herbert over Joe Burrow. Kyler Murray's case for MVP. Man, I felt like last year when he got drafted and went to the Cardinals. I thought this was going to be like one of those picks where I didn't know how it was going to pan out. Obviously, I mean, he was great coming out of college. I loved everything that I saw from him. But then a couple things changed. Now, obviously, he went 5-10-1 as a starter for the Cardinals. Um, and uh, he's... It's been rough. I'm not going to lie to you. He, 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 it was rough for him last year. His offensive line still isn't up to par what I would like to see for him. But he's more of a scrambling quarterback, so he kind of makes up for it. But this Cardinals team... They are 5-3 and three in their division. They are fighting for a playoff spot. Uh, they are second right now in the NFC West. They are a legitimate team with a second-year quarterback who's playing like an MVP candidate. And this is why I believe he's an MVP candidate. Number one, he has already, keep in mind now, again, I, I realize this might be a shocker to you all, he has one less rushing yard than all of last year, and he has about 20 less attempts running the football. Now, obviously, we know he can run the football. And we're about halfway through the season now, so you can expect this man probably has a chance at a thousand rushing yards. Based on the the, the projections, he has a shot at a thousand. Uh, I'm not great at math here, so about a, uh, I would say about uh, one thousand and eighty-six rushing yards and sixteen rushing touchdowns. He has a chance right now to do what almost no running quarterback has done, other than Michael Vick, other than Lamar Jackson. I get it, but he has been showing why he is. Not only so integral to that team, but he is an MVP candidate. Through eight games, he is 5-3. and three. He has completed over 68% of his passes. He has thrown for over 2,100 yards, nearly 300 yards a game. He has thrown for 16 touchdown passes, seven interceptions. And compared to last year, he took 48 sacks last year. Again, his offensive line was awful last year, and it's not much better this year. 
but he's only taken 10 sacks so far this year. If you cut, he literally cut his sacks in half. I think that you have to attribute that to better decision making. You have to attribute that to better talent. New Hopkins is the real deal. I'll get into him in a second. But this team, Kyler Murray, deserves to be at least in the conversation for MVP. Um, and again, because of how well he has been playing, guys like Kenyon Drake, guys like Chase Edmonds have come out and just absolutely balled. Chase Edmonds is on my fantasy team. Please keep doing what you're doing. Kenyon Drake has over 500 yards. He has a chance to also uh, reach the 1,000-yard mark. This this team, uh, the Cardinals, if they lose Kyler Murray and Chris Strebler is forced to play, this is not the same team. He is the heart and soul of that team. But again, it goes back to DeAndre Hopkins, New Hopkins, who has 60 catches for 734 yards and three touchdowns. He is every bit of the number one receiver, and the Cardinals got the absolute steal of that of that trade. Now, again, I realize... I mean, New Hopkins. I mean, he—he's got. I—that's a—that's a good question to think about, though. If you think about it, who is the better quarterback between Sean Watson, Kyler Murray? At this point, I'd probably take Deshaun still because Kyler. I, I know he's been playing very well this year, but I probably still take Deshaun Watson. He's—he's a, he's a bad man. Um, sorry. Back to uh, Kyler Murray here, though. Larry Fitzgerald, and the fact that he's got some of the supporting cast as well, he has made this team legitimate. Christian Kirk has come uh, and played very well. 23 catches for 400 yards and six touchdowns. This is a team that has a quarterback that's playing at an all-pro level. There, I said it, and I'll say it again for emphasis. I don't care how many times I have to do this. He is playing at an all-pro level. The last three games for Christian Kirk, who, by the way, is turning out to be a breakout receiver. The last, let's see, four games here. Five catches for 78 against the Jets. Two for 86. Both went for touchdowns against the Cowboys. Five for 37 against the Seahawks, which they pulled off a big win. What a game. That was a fun game to watch. And then the Dolphins, uh, even though that was kind of a shocking loss, five for 123 and a Teddy. This team is legitimate. And I think that it's honestly such a fun team to watch right now. I don't care. I think this is, uh, when you when it comes down to it, Christian Kirk uh, and, and Kyler Murray and this, this surrounding cast behind him is a legitimate uh, and, and Kyler Murray deserves a lot more credit. It's a crime. Um, this man is doing it without. Now, again, their defense is nothing to laugh at either. Their defense has really come along as well. Jordan Hicks leading the, the squad with 66 tackles. Buda Baker, that man, he hits people. I mean, you just, even though he got hawked by DK Metcalf, that was, that was rough. But this guy, uh, Buda Baker, is probably is easily one of the best safeties in the NFL. Devondra Campbell can, can fly around and make some plays as well. Um, Hassan Reddick, who, by the way, I. I, I did not think he would have this much of an impact in terms of pressuring the quarterback. He has five sacks this season, and uh, this is just a good team. They've got Marcus Golden as well. Um, this this team is legitimate. They are something to watch out for, especially, but mainly because of how well Kyler Murray is playing at this point in time. So, long story short, put some respect in Kyler Murray's name. He's a legitimate NFL MVP candidate. You heard it here first. This This man has a legitimate shot. The final thing here we're going to talk about is grading the... We were supposed to talk about the uh, the, the Minnesota Vikings and Packers 2020 NFL draft picks, their grades, um, the, our midseason grades of each draft pick. Um, but once again, Tristan cannot join us. We'll, we'll see what he can do next week um, with the Packers um, uh, and, and, and everything. So, um, so I'm not going to lie to you. When the Vikings lost guys like Everson Griffin, they lost guys like Linville Joseph, they lost guys... Uh, you know, like Xavier Rhodes and, and Trey Waynes. Even though Xavier Rhodes was kind of on his way out, I wasn't necessarily heartbroken, but he was a good cornerback in the day, a great cornerback in the day, and I think the change of scenery has been great for him. It has been great for him, and I'm, glad, I'm very glad to see it. But this draft class 
has the potential to be one of the best in Rick Spielman's career. Now, last year was pretty good too. We can't debate that. I mean, you got you got guys coming out the woodworks out of last year's draft class, but this year, this is this has the chance to be one of the greatest draft classes that Rick Spielman has ever put together. Now, I kind of want to go back here to last year's draft class. Now, obviously, they got the thing that really separated it from last year for me was the fact that. Uh, they got guys even the seventh round that were still that are still on the team and, and very big contributors, mind you, very big contributors. Um, I mean, other than obviously Garrett Bradbury, who was a steal in the first round, and I mean you got guys also like Irv Smith Jr. in the second. This is just a team that last year they I think they're they've always set the tone that they're going to draft well and they're always going to find a way to take care of business. But I mean they got guys like Alexander Madison in the third round. Um, I mean, Drew Samia, he has not panned out. I will say that as a fourth-round draft pick, but I, maybe there's still hope for him. Um, Cameron Smith, hope for a speedy recovery for him uh, in, in his heart surgery. I think that he's uh, he's still a good linebacker. Armin Watts has been playing out of his – he's been playing, playing very well. Not out of his mind, but he's been playing very well this year. He had seven sacks in college last year. He uh, didn't really get the time of day. This year he's been uh, been doing very well. Um, I'm, I'm overall pleased with what I've seen from Armin Watts. Um we knew he was more of a pass rusher, um, but now he's really evolved into a guy that you can see is um, every bit of what you want. He's grading out at about a 58.4 PFF grade. Um, he has half a sack on the season. Um, and quite frankly, I think he's really starting to form into that defensive tackle the Vikings drafted him to be. Uh, Marcus Epps obviously went to the Eagles. He's still doing things. Um, Ole Udo, I think this is the only draft pick from last year that you can make the case that truly deserves a shot and he's not getting it. I think the Vikings could get something special out of Ole Udo uh, because he, he's just a man. I mean, six-round draft pick out of Ilan. I, I love this his size, the way. If you want uh, good tape, go back to week 17 of last year against the Bears. He handled uh, Khalil Mack. Now, I also I, I talked to a buddy about this, Brent Beckman. I talked to him. I realized that Khalil Mack was injured. But even an injured Khalil Mack is better than the average pass rusher in the entire NFL. So take that for what it's worth. Um, again, uh, Ole Udo needs to, I think he just needs a shot. Uh, maybe he might get that with somewhere else, but I hope not because he's too, he's too talented. Chris Boyd, seventh-round draft pick out of Texas, number 217. This guy, uh, you know, he's not been a world beater, but he has been reliable. Uh, he's been a guy that they can lean on. He's been make, even made plays, for, um, plays uh, when they need him to. Um, and uh, by the way, look up his uh, wired uh, during against the, uh, the the Lions. That was actually kind of hilarious. Um, Dylan Mitchell was the the line, the run, uh, wide receiver that I thought was going to outplay everybody, but didn't end up panning out. I believe he's still uh, finding his way around the NFL. Um, but he's still, I think he's still got a lot of promise. I think he's still definitely a, t uh, a player that uh, is, uh, is still could find his way in the NFL. He's currently a free agent, but hey, you know what? He's still got the talent to be there. Old BC Johnson now. He has been overshadowed, and again, I'll get into uh, the Vikings draft class, uh, this year's draft class in a little bit. I just kind of wanted to set the tone of how well the Vikings have been drafting these last two years. Um, Ola B.C. Johnson has five catches for 93 yards. If you were to, I, That's just so not what I expected this year. I didn't expect Justin Jefferson to come out like he did this year. Um, and because of that, I mean, Ola B.C. Johnson just hasn't been given the time of day. Um, and it's been rough to see because you like the guy. You really do. You hope he does well. You hope he has a good career. Uh, and, and you just give him the benefit of the doubt because he's he's a great team player, a guy out of Colorado State, a guy that you liked watching, and I think he's still doing a lot of things right. Now, finally, the, the final draft pick was Austin Cutting out of Air Force. Um, I uh, I thought this was really a, a cool pick um, that the Vikings had, even though 
He's on the COVID-19 list. Hopefully he can, we wish nothing but a speedy uh, recovery, even though I think he was more of just a close contact. Um, but I'm hoping that he can come back uh, for this game because he is a big loss as well. That just sets up the tone. The 2019 draft class class sets up the tone for this 2020 class because the Vikings have been drafting well, and it's about time somebody said something. This first draft pick in the NFL, Justin Jefferson, we've covered it. He's been an absolute, a world beater. Uh, and I've been absolutely loving what I'm seeing now. He has, uh, I mean, he d- wasn't given really the time of day during the first two games of the NFL season and in, uh, in, in this season. And plus, I mean, this last couple of games, you can't really blame him because I think the Vikings did uh, what they thought was best in that taking their most weakest link away, their their weakest, they were taking their weakest link away from them uh, that was on the field in Kirk Cousins uh, in terms of him throwing interceptions. No, I don't think he's the weakest link on the team, but I think his turnovers were proving to be the Achilles heel of the team because it was just putting the defense in bad spots. Um, and uh, quite frankly, I think it was just really rough to uh, be a part of that. Just really rough to overcome because I think that uh, this team is too talented to have to be in that kind of a situation. But So the first two games of the NFL season, uh, he had five catches uh, for a combined, I believe, 70 yards. And just... Not exactly what you thought you were going to get from a guy like him, but since then, I mean, he's just been. Look at this week after week performance against the Titans: a seven catcher for a buck seventy-five and a touchdown. Four catches the next week in the win against Houston for over one hundred and three yards. Now against Seattle, they probably kind of you know shut him down a little bit. Uh, three catches for his twenty-three, but at the same time, they were more keen. They were keen on him, and Adam Thielen had a day, so I'll take that. Atlanta nine catches for one hundred and sixty-six yards and two touchdowns. These last weeks, he's had uh, six catches for a total of. Uh, it uh, looks like uh, 90 yards. Six catches for 90 yards, 15 yards a catch. He has been balling. I don't care what anybody says. He's been absolutely incredible. 34 catches, 627 yards, and three teddies on the year. He is uh, looking every bit as much uh, of those star wide receivers that the Vikings were looking for, and he's, uh, he's going to be a great player for the Vikings for years to come. Jeff Gladney, the corner out of TCU. I was a little worried about Jeff. I'm not going to lie to you. I was a little worried with how he was plan- panning out to start out with. Um, it looked he. I'm not gonna lie. He got shredded against the Colts, uh, even against the Packers. Uh, not even. No, excuse me. That was Cameron Dancer. I apologize. But he just. It looked like it was going to be something that uh, it was going to be a little rough for him. But he has rebounded very nicely this year. I have loved what I've seen from this man. He's grading out at a 60.8 PFF grade. Um, and quite frankly, I'm loving what I'm seeing from him. He's, he's a confident guy. Even if he does get beat on a, pa- on a, on a pass, he's, he's going to come back the next rep and just give you everything he's got. He's feisty. I think he's exactly what you're looking for. I I, I feel like he's probably going to be more of a slot guy. Um, he's a little on the shorter side. But I feel like he's still going to be a really good player for the Vikings uh, moving forward. I'm a six-foot buck, 83. He's not, he's not very big, but I think that He's going to be moved in the slot, and I think he will be a shutdown slot cornerback. You heard it here first, uh, and I think the Vikings will have to find uh, a wide receiver to be able to take, or excuse me, a corner to be able to take those outside spots. I think Cameron Dancer is still a good dude. We'll get to him in a second. But, uh, yeah, I've loved what I've seen from Jeff Gladney. He has looked every bit of the part of the first-round draft pick, especially as late of the season, even though, again, he got picked on early on. But I think he's learning it pretty quickly. Uh, second round uh, pick a 58 went uh, Ezra Cleveland the offensive tackle out of Boise State I was so frustrated the fact that the Vikings were not letting this man play from the beginning because yes he probably was going to play a tackle because Riley Reef is actually having a very good season good for him great to see and uh, I mean you got guys like Brian O'Neill on the right side who has also had a really, a really good season you're not going to let take him off the field either but we can't try this guy out of guard like earlier in the season. Like that's what he's been playing in training camp. Why can't we uh, over Drew Samia, over Pat Offline, something? Even Dakota Dozier, if, if maybe. I think he might be the most athletic offensive lineman on the entire Viking squad. It's possible he might be more athletic than Garrett Bradbury. It's very possible as well as Brian O'Neill. 
This guy is every, he's every legit bit of a, a, a guy that is going to change this offensive line room. And I got to give credit to Rick Spielman here. I think there's a lot of people and a lot of critics thought that he wasn't a guy that put a lot of stock into this offensive lineman. But if you think about it, the last couple of years, I mean, obviously you got third-run pick in uh, – in, in Elf line a couple of years back, then it, then it went uh, uh, Brian O'Neill, then Garrett Bradbury, then this last year. Um, I mean, you got Cleveland, so I mean, it's he's clearly putting capital into this offensive line. It's very much so improving. I think I think an upgrade at left at left guard might be in the works. It de- kind of depends on what happens um, with Riley Reef this next season. Even though I think he deserves to be back. Riley Reef deserves to be back uh, for another season for, with how he's played. But Ezra Cleveland has been balling at right guard, especially these last two games against the Packers and against the Lions. He has been balling. Okay, so it's about time that the, the Vikings here find a way to f- get a guy in the field that deserves to be there, and he's just balling. So I'm, I'm loving what I'm seeing from a guy like Ezra Cleveland. He's been doing his thing, um, and it's been absolutely great to see now. Um, I, I still think he's a little bit more of a, of a left tackle. I think that that's what he only played in, in high school and uh, while he was up there at Boise uh, State. But I, I feel like this is still a guy that is going to play left tackle. But for right now, the kind of production we're getting out of him at right guard, I might be afraid to move him because – He's played pretty well. Now, again, his his, his pass rushing uh, excuse, uh, his pa- against the pass has not been great. Pass blocking has been amazing, but he's A, a rookie, and B, has never had to have that kind of an anchor uh, and, and play like that, uh, especially while he was a, a guy that was ma- mainly a left tackle and not being thrust into guard where you, you have to have more of a, a stronger base to be able to hold those guys up. He has allowed one sack the entire year. He does not have a penalty yet. I'm going to knock on wood. Okay. Has not had a penalty yet. He has a 63.2 PFF grade. Balling. This guy, uh, a rookie. I mean, just, I'm, I'm so happy with what the Vikings have set up. This is easily the best offensive line I've ever seen the Vikings have. I said it. I'll say it again. I don't care about the 20, the 2012 Vikings the offensive line that helped Adrian Peterson run for 2,000 yards. Don't care. Nope. Nope. This right now is the best offensive line I've seen the Vikings have in a very, very long time. And I'm going to say it again. They're the best offensive line uh, I, I would say since probably the late 90s. Yes, this is the best offensive line they've had. Um, uh, Cameron Dantzler, third-round pick, uh, 89th overall out of Clemson. Uh, man, uh, that's not right. No, he was out of, I believe, Cameron Dantzler was out of uh, Mississippi State. That's not right. Um, Cameron Dantzler has been a guy that he's he's not disappointing. He's not disappointing. He went to Mississippi State. There we go. He's not disappointing. But he is, at the very least, uh, a guy that you're worried about. He, he kind of went out early against the Packers with a concussion, um, kind of a, a horrific neck injury. I'm, I'm so glad he's okay. He might be back this week. He's had some up and downs, uh, but I've overall I have liked what I've seen. He's a little bit of a lankier quarter, uh, corner, um, but I do think that he is going to come out this next week uh, or, or soon, and I think he's going to get back to his old ways of playing well. 6-2, a buck 85. Once again, a former Bulldog at a Mississippi State. Uh, owns a 52, currently a 52.4 PFF grade. Um, and again, I think he's been he's been another guy just like Gladney that has been improving uh, as the season wears on. Now, will the Vikings probably sink some more capital into these corners as we go along? Probably. But for the time being, these two guys have got in, 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 uh, in Gladney and Dancer in the first and third rounds. Uh, I've been absolutely ecstatic uh, to see here of what they've of what they've been playing like um and uh, they've been doing a lot of great things so um really excited to see what uh, the vikings cornerback room will look like with these two in the future fourth round pick uh, 117 overall 117th overall defensive end dj Warnham out of south carolina 
This guy, I I almost didn't know how to peg him. Because DJ Wanham has been a guy that when he came in, he was gonna I thought he was gonna be a project. I think he I thought he was gonna be uh it was gonna be at least a year or two before they got him in a consistent pass rushing status, but he made this game ceiling play against the Packers, and he's just been bringing it ever since. He's got two sacks on the season, a 52.6 PFF grade. Um, he's been bringing it five solo tackles uh, and uh, a forced fumble. Again, it's just game ceiling play against the Packers, and it, it was just fantastic. I absolutely love what I've been seeing from DJ Wanham. Uh, he's been getting it done, uh, and, and uh, man. I've been really excited to see what I've uh, seen, been seeing out of him. I think he's going to be more of a – next year it's going to be really interesting to see what the Vikings do with a guy like Ofadio Danabo um, when they get Daniil Hunter back, hopefully at 100%. Please. Oh, he's just such a game changer. you got to love Daniil Hunter. Hopefully they get, they, they get Hunter back. But DJ Wanham in the meantime has been holding down the fort. He's been getting it done, putting some pressure on the quarter, opposing quarterbacks, and uh, has actually held up pretty solidly in the run as well. Uh, other fourth-round pick out of, uh, uh, let's see here, James Lynch out of Baylor, 130th overall. Man, could we? Could he have made any more bigger splash plays uh, when he first got on the field than against that sack uh, against against the Seahawks? Oh, I, when that happened, I was immediately looking online, to online shopping to buy his jersey. Immediately, because I just I love the way he plays. I love uh, the way uh, the way that he just uh, competes. He's a guy. He's a lunch pail guy. He's going to come in every day. He's not the most athletic, but he's a guy that's just not going to give up on a play. He's going to find a way to keep making plays. And uh, God, it's just so much fun to watch him go out there and do his thing. Um, I think he needs more of a shot. Um, but I also think that guys like Armand Watts has been playing very well. Um, Shamar Stefan has also been getting it done. Jaleel Johnson's been stepping up. So um, this Vikings defensive tackle room probably has seen some guys that are um, all of a sudden stepping up all the way. But I mean, I've just been I've been absolutely loved. Also, what I've seen from James Lynch as well. Hopefully, he gets more of a shot. Hopefully, he gets more uh, you know more playing time uh, to get in there because I think he does bring a lot to the table in both uh, runs in both the terms of run support and uh, being a pass rusher as well. Um, the last fourth round pick, one thirty. 132nd overall out of Oregon. Troy Dye has been kind of... I think he's the starter now uh, when they go base package. And they don't have their nickel package in, but, I mean, the Vikings are mostly nickel most of the time. But um, I've seen some good things from Troy Dye here now. Um, I, I think that there's a lot to build off of. He's obviously just a big guy that could cover. Um, he, he played everything at Oregon. So, I mean, it was kind of one of those things where the Vikings were going to just try to get the best player, all-around all player that they could, that could run, that could cover, put some pressure on the quarterback and do his thing. 6'4", 226. I mean, he's kind of a tweener. He could play linebacker. He could play safety. I just feel like um, this guy, is, he's, he's going to be something special. I know, again, it doesn't look great right now, a 44.1 PFF grade right now, but he is going to be something special as the Vikings go along here, uh, and he's going to be something that uh, a linebacker that changes uh, everything. But also, at the same time, Eric Wilson's been playing out of his mind. Out of his mind. I love what I've seen from Eric Wilson. Um, first round pick, or excuse me, first fifth round pick, uh, 169th overall, Harrison Hand out of Temple. This one was intriguing because I, I felt like Harrison Hand, he ran a respectable 40. He, uh, watching tape on him, a little stiff-tipped uh, and didn't necessarily uh, open up his hips very well, especially uh, coming out of breaks. But um, I felt like he was a guy that still showed some stuff, uh, a computer, a computer, uh, just competed very well at that level and did very well. I was uh, very pleased. Uh, during the season, though, he's actually been – uh, kind of a pleasant surprise. Now, he hasn't gotten as much playing time due to injury and stuff, and also the fact that Dantzler and Gladney are, you know, probably going to get the ma remainder of the, the snaps if they both stay healthy. So, But uh, Harrison Hand, even though he has been injured, um, currently, even though he's played, hasn't played a whole lot, he has allowed se uh, six catches on seven targets, but he has a 61.7 PFF grade. Um, been really, uh, overall, that is. Um, and I've been really happy with what he's done so far. Um, 
I think he's going to provide solid depth. Maybe uh, uh, Mike Zimmer can get a little bit more out of him, maybe be a starter in the in the NFL later on this year. We'll see what happens. Um, and then finally, the last fifth-round pick, uh, 176 overall uh, wide receiver, KJ Osborne, taken out of the U, Miami. Um, this guy, I don't know, he hasn't played an offensive snap yet. He's been mainly playing as a punt returner and as a kickoff returner. Um, he's had some nice returns, but uh, not that would warrant me thinking that he should be taken in the fifth round. I think the Vikings had some better players on their board, but um, they took him, and uh, you know they're going to live with it, obviously. But I think um, we're going to have to see what happens because, he again, he hasn't played an offensive snap yet, but I'm excited to see how he comes out this next uh, these, the rest of the season and see what uh, he can bring to the table because he's even been thrown out there as a punt gunner. Uh, came up with a big tackle uh, a couple of weeks ago, and I think I think he's going to provide provide some uh, some good stuff uh, as the as the year goes on and later on in his career as well. Um, first sixth round pick number two hundred, the two hundred third overall pick. Uh, the Vikings took offensive tackle, offensive tackle Blake Brandle. That's a tongue twister. Out of Oregon State, he was a guy coming out of uh, Oregon State that I thought maybe needed a little bit of work in terms of refinement with his hands and technique. But he immediately started playing like there was no tomorrow coming out of training camp, and there, he was uh, just just playing great. So he ne- didn't necessarily continue to do that. I think that it's uh, kind of a rougher thing here. Uh, he he's on the practice squad right now, but I think that um, with a little bit more work, the Vikings could have a possible uh, either a solid backup tackle or maybe even a guy that might be able to start. I'm not sure yet. Maybe a few years you're starting in the NFL, but he showed a lot of great stuff, especially during training camp. Um, and I'm really excited to see what he does. Uh, you know, just keep developing those offensive linemen because we need them. Uh, and then the uh, with the 205th pick, the Vikings took Josh Metellus out of Michigan. This guy's been a little rough. Um, he's been almost a liability. He got it kind of. He kind of got sunned against Devontae Adams, but who's not going to get sunned against Devontae Adams? Uh, and uh, I, he's been. It's been kind of rough. I, I think he's been a little, definitely a steep learning curve for him. Um, but he has been. Uh, he's been done. He has done some good things. I thought he was going to do way better in training camp. He did start out okay, but then it just didn't seem to work out. He was cut. Um, and then brought back, but um, we'll see what he how he develops, especially with guys with guys of like Harrison Smith and these these Vikings corners that just keep seem to be keep getting injured. So we'll have to see how that goes. Um, Kenny Wilkes, the two hundred twenty fifth pick, uh, defensive end out of Michigan State. This was guy. Don't you love these stories? These Rudy hard worker guys that just keep bringing their lunch pail that you don't think should make it, but they do because they just they never give up. Loved it. I think this guy. Um, I'm absolutely ecstatic with what he's done. Uh, but even though he has not got any playing time yet, um, I think that he could be potentially something that could be kind of special. Um, I think that he is kind of one of those guys where he's never going to be a 10 or 12 sack guy, but he offers a lot um, and he's on the practice squad. So um, I, I think that he's going to bring a lot for this team in the future. I think they're going to develop him a little bit. He's still a little young, 23 uh Standing six foot four, so I think he's obviously going to bring some stuff for the Vikings in the future. But I think the Vikings need to put on a little bit of size and see what they can get out of this kid. But because I think he comes with a little bit of attitude, and I, I love what he did at Michigan State, so he's going to be really fun to watch. Uh, the second seventh round pick, two hundred forty fourth overall out of Iowa, quarterback Nate Stanley. Uh, when I watched tape of Nate Stanley before the season. I felt like he was a guy that probably had, like, in terms of arm strength, I think he had one of the best arms in the entire draft. I felt like he obviously was kind of pampered by the Iowa's power football, but he was a guy that also, at the same time, was a he was an exciting prospect of what he could become. Now, he does have accuracy issues. Let's call it a spade a spade. But overall, I've liked what I've seen from him. Um, has not uh, made it on, onto the game day roster yet, I don't believe, and I do not think that he is... Uh, 
getting uh, that shot anytime soon, but I believe he's on the practice squad. He keeps doing his thing. Uh, I think he might get, he could get hawked by another team because of, you know, maybe a team that just wants to see what he could do. But uh, I think the Vikings are going to kind of keep him around, just kind of see what they have maybe next year when, uh, if things get normal again, maybe. Um, and uh, maybe see what he can do in the preseason, but we'll have to see with him. But uh, a tall guy that, uh, that has a rocket arm, there's a lot to like there. So we'll see what he brings uh, in the future here. Uh, the 249th pick overall in the seventh run by Brian Cole, the second out of Mississippi State. Box safety, a guy that's going to come up and thump you and uh, do what he has to do to win the football game. Just I, I've absolutely loved what, uh, what Cole has done as well. But uh, I do feel like he is another guy that is almost uh, needs to really show out in special teams. Has d- Did not do that. He was cut. Um, and uh, currently, uh, I'm just looking it up here. He is, well, I believe he's with the Dolphins. Yeah, uh, yeah, he's a safety for the Dolphins. Kind of a box guy, a little bit, uh, you know, he's in the taller range, about 6'2", but he can bring the wood. He just, he hits with authority. Um, I just felt like he was uh, a guy that was going to be a project just to see what the Vikings could do. Because, I mean, obviously, they had Harrison Smith and Anthony Harris. They probably weren't going to have him do anything right out the gate, but uh, excited for his future. Hope he does well in uh, Miami. And then the final pick, who I love this pick, the 253rd pick out of Washburn University, the Ichabods. Can you put literally the Ichabods, the story of Ichabod Crane, the, the one that scared you during during Halloween or uh, was it Halloween? Whatever it was. That scared me. I'll, I'm a grown man. I'll admit it. That, that story always scared me. But Kyle Hinton, uh, an offensive lineman, uh, I think he's going to play guard in the NFL. Guy's just amazing. You talk about his spider chart, what he brings to the squad here. I mean, I just from everything that he did, he's an athletic guy. He, he's he's mean, and that's exactly what you want from an offensive lineman. So, um, overall, very excited to see what this guy is going to bring uh, and do, uh, especially as the Vikings move forward here uh, and maybe try to find another guy that can come in and play guard. I don't know who that is. Dakota Dozier has shown some good stuff this year, but I don't know um, if if the Vikings are are looking to upgrade. They should be looking to upgrade because this offensive line. Uh, it's starting to look like a legitimate unit right now. They are, uh, they're look, they're communicating very well. They're athletic, um, but I just want to make sure that we can protect the, the quarterback, whether that's Kirk or the quarterback of the future. Um, but a guy like Kyle Hinton uh, is a guy that could really step up. Uh, I think next year he's going to get more of a shot because again, COVID kind of throw through a lot of things, a monkey wrench into things this season. But I do expect Hinton to come out uh, in training camp next year and ball and bury people. I'm talking just, just pancake. Ugh. Pancake, yeah. The, for those of you that want to watch what I just did, yeah, please, uh, once again, make sure to watch this on YouTube. But, yeah, he's, he's going to be a guy that just pancakes people. So uh, I, I think he's going to have a really good time this next season. I think he's going to have a really good training camp next year, and he's going to bring a lot to this Vikings offensive line room. Just a nastiness. You, you need to have that nastiness when you play offensive line. It's a requirement. It's a requirement. So uh, that's my final grades over here. Um, just to kind of run through. I don't think I actually gave, like, actual letter grades other than Jefferson, which is obviously an A. Um, then obviously Gladney, I'd probably, I don't know, probably B plus right now. Cause he's been really showing a lot of stuff as of late. Ezra Cleveland, a don't care. Love it. Cameron dancer, meh, C plus B minus. He, he's going to keep getting better. DJ want him. Um, B minus, uh, done some good things. Uh, James Lynch C plus only because he hasn't gotten a lot of playing time. Troy die, uh, probably a B he's, uh, he's shown some good stuff. Uh, and I still, I still really like him. Think he's going to do some great things. Harrison hand limited time. Give you a B. You'd look good. KJ Osborne, C+. He's got a lot to prove, uh, but hopefully he can come out and just uh, bust a couple of big returns. Uh, Blake Brandle, uh, offensive tackle out of Oregon State. I'll give him a C+. plus. He looked good in training camp. I think he's going to provide a lot of stuff, a lot of value for the Vikings later on. Josh Metellus, this one's rough. C-. I think it's been a little rough for him coming out. Hopefully he can figure it out. 
and uh, and find a place on this Viking squad. Kenny Willekes, C. I mean, the rest of these guys are most likely going to be Cs because we have not really seen a whole lot of them. So, uh, yeah, Finate Stanley, C. Brian Cole, C. Obviously, even though he's with the Dolphins, but uh, Kyle Hitton, I give C for like right now, but potential wise, I give him an A, an A because this could be a guy that really comes out and, do, and does a lot of great things for the Vikings in the future. But let me know what you guys think uh, about my grades, my takes on uh, what I think about the quarterback situation between Justin Herbert and Joe Burrow, uh, the teams that we need that need to win this week in week 10. Um, and also Kyler Murray's case for MVP, put some respect on his name. You heard it here first. Uh, but once again, thanks to all of you for watching. Make sure you guys leave a like comment as well. Those of you that watch us on YouTube, um, it's Friday, by the way, Friday, I thought I forgot that's on me, but, um, I pray that everybody has a safe and wonderful weekend. Takes it easy. Do does their thing. Watch some football. Um, let me know what you guys think. So, um, once again, remember to like, subscribe us on YouTube. Uh, also check out our website at the sports, uh, sports, And if you have any questions or anything else that you would like us to cover, please send those to the sports BP at yahoo.com. Once again, that is the sports BP at yahoo.com. Well, we're going to get out of here. Have a great day. Have a great Friday night and go take care of business.